The Thrill Me podcast is on vacation again. On location in Sydney this time. Mm. Last time it was Melbourne. Yeah. We get around. Sydney, we just um we just caught the Sydney Kings the New Zealand Breakers game. Mm. Things didn't go well for the Kings, no. unfortunately. That's what we're here for. Good game though. Yeah, it wasn't a bad game. It's good to catch up with a little bit of basketball. Tonight's movie. Number two, it was Tales to Our Heads <laughs> with Silent Rage from last uh, episode. Mm. The Glimmer Man. What a double. Seen Seagal. Obviously, I'm looking forward to pointing out that Seagal's a better actor than Chuck Norris. Well, I just want to point out that I never actually, I don't think I argued that. <laughs> I don't think I really argued that there was some sort of, you know, large discrepancy uh, between yeah. the acting skills. Yeah. Um, Frankly, I thought I was in a camp that neither of them had any. <laughs> well, I'm interested to hear your you, you've joined the debate team. Yeah, yeah well, you're willing to you want to put your case forward. The spotlight's on you. It's tonight. a pretty solid case in my mind. So um, no, I would say it's an open shut <laughs> case. But apparently, you, to getting to it. Apparently, you've discovered some evidence that I missed. Well, when you actually watch the movie, not <laughs> not seemingly lay there in some sort of catatonic state, you pick up on the nuances. And there was quite a few yeah. nuances to the performance, so I'm, I'm looking, looking forward, forward to sort yeah. of discussing this. I'm interested in hearing about it. <laughs> <laughs> but since we last recorded, yep. uh, and obviously we don't, we didn't cover any movies in our previous episode, the Pieces episode, so have you watched anything? I have. What have you got for me? A little bit of Breaking Bad, sure. again. A little bit of Flash and Arrow, again. Uh-huh. I jumped into a bit of Bond. Bond? I watched Diamonds. Old Bond? Old Bond. I watched Diamonds of Forever. Okay, how is it? A bit ordinary. You get sort of get what you expect, but it's not one of the better ones. Okay. I watched a couple of docos. I watched Back in Time. Yep. Wasn't so high on it as uh, I remember you quite enjoyed it. I wasn't so high on it. The first third of the movie, I was loving it. Um, but then it sort of I felt it fell apart a little bit and focused too much on the fans and not the movie. Okay. Um, and I understand that it was a Kickstarter project and it was sort of by the fans for the fans. Yeah. But I guess to be blunt. Some of those fans' stories in there weren't interesting. Is that a bit of a problem with Kickstarter? Because just to let people know, we recently pledged to a Kickstarter project, mm. uh, Friday the 13th, the computer game. Big surprise there. No surprise. But we actually put a pledge in, and it made its money. Yep. And it's looking like it's moving forward. I'm looking forward to having my money taken for nothing. Or That's any, right. Well, we've already done that with um, Wheel. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But is the problem with Kickstarter that when you open it up to the fans and you offer them... A f- an incentive to provide you with a certain amount of money that then kind of you get perhaps pushed into a corner in some oh, cases? Because the possibility is that did, did these guys put up money, stump up money, so their story was then given? I think that's probably... Uh, I haven't looked at the, the campaign, but that is quite possible. That yeah. They might have said, you know, one of the higher pledge levels was that you... You'll, you'll be, be in part the of that, yeah. Uh, but I guess there's, there are ways around that too. You lay out your case before before people put their money up. So you can essentially say, this isn't you know going to involve heaps of fans or whatever. This is a movie about the movie, yeah. basically. Um, and I thought when it was, it was it was quite good because they had everybody. They yeah, talked to everyone involved. About it. And there was a couple of the fan stories that were really interesting. The guy that was so into the film that he ran that website and essentially turned into a career for him. Yeah. And the guys that um, did up the DeLorean so well that they were then brought into Universal Studio to do up the original one. That sort of stuff was really good, but. The first third where they were talking about the movie was the best part, and then it, it went completely away from that. Well, it didn't cover the sequels well. No, it didn't it cover the sequels just kind of glossed over the sequels. Yeah, um, and I felt, given that you had access to everybody, that that was the way to go, and that the fans were a part of it, but probably not as big a part as they ended up in the movie. Because yeah. I think uh, after, the, after the first third, the, the rest of the movie is essentially dedicated to the fans. And, and you know, you've got the guy that had a, a putt-putt green built and... And had a couple of the people from the movie in there. And I think, I mean, that's great. What he was trying to do with the money is really good. But it wasn't that interesting to watch a lot of yeah. that on, on film. Fair enough. I, so, I sort of understand that. I, I liked it a bit more than you did. Yeah. I felt that some of the fan stories, although maybe not the most interesting of things, I thought it was cool that they, they were put in there. Yeah. I just I was disappointed that we were talking, talking to, um, to Robert Zemeckis and Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd and then... We were talking to people that have nothing to do with the movie, and yeah. I understand the movie means a great deal to them. But I mean, just 
if you put me on in a Kickstarter movie talking about a movie that I love, people would probably be saying the same thing. This guy's boring as batshit. Just like the people that are actually listening. <laughs> they all just turned off. Yeah, yeah, they did. That. But yeah. The bottom line on it for me was, yeah, it probably could have been a little more focused on the sequels. I think that would have yeah. been more interesting. Yeah. And you've got to admit that all the actors and people involved love this movie too. Yeah. And remember that they love it. I, I enjoyed that, um, what's his face? Donald, Donald, what's his last name? Full of Love or whatever. Mm. The guy that played um, played yeah. there. That he was getting plenty of play. He was getting plenty of play. He was loving it. And that he was sort of freely admitting that it, you know it was the high point of his career and all this sort of stuff. I, I really enjoyed that part of it. Anything else? I did. I watched another doco. It was uh, the one about Journey, the the new lead singer of Journey. Yeah. Popped up on Netflix. I can't remember what it was called. It was called Don't Stop Believing Every Man's Journey. Right. And um, it was pretty good. It was a pretty good watch. Yeah. Basically, they found him on YouTube and. He sounded a bit like Steve Perry, so now he's front and journey, and they're doing pretty well touring again. So, yeah, so, so they were of, actually make that they were actually legitimately putting out music. And yeah, yeah, it was quite of interesting because it started with him and get him getting in the band, and then it um, it went to a little bit of the guys in Journey talking about the history. So it played a little bit. It went away from Arnel Panita, his name is. It went away from him for a while, talked about the history of Journey, and then went back to him and how he basically came from. Poverty and all this sort of stuff. So it was a bit, it was sort of had a nice flow to the, the yeah, way it was sort of put. Together. It sort of loses a bit of steam, and by the end of it, you're just watching them on tour and kind of <laughs> waiting for the next show and the next song that they sing with a little right. bit of talking heads in between. But yeah, it's worth a look. Okay, that's it. Yep, that's it. So I had I had quite a few things to watch. Like you, I went with a mixture of docos and and also. Movie, so I went with um, the Final Girls. I saw the Final Girls. Mm. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yep, it's got a few little problems here and there. I would have liked it have, had it been R rated as well. It wasn't. It was PG sort of rated, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good sort of love letter to slasher fans, and so it sort of really grabbed my interest. And I think it'll probably grab yours. Yeah, and, and for the slasher fans out there, I think they'll enjoy it enough. There's a little bit of stuff that's just a little bit. It kind of goes on too long. There's a a guy, I think he was in Glee for a while. He was in Pitch Perfect at one stage as well. He was in Pitch Perfect as well. Don't be, don't be coy about it. You would know if he was in Glee or not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he so was, he was in, in Glee, Glee, I think, yeah. 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 And he was he was kind of got a little bit annoying. He yeah. was supposed to be the frat boy jock guy who talked about sex a lot. And for a while he was quite funny, but then it just sort of kept going on and going on and going on. And I was like, oh, let's move on. But it's a pretty good movie. Mm. And it's a felt 90 minutes, so it Excellent. works really well. Yep. Uh, I watched 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street. Gems. I enjoyed those, yeah, enjoyed those a lot. They were both really good. Uh, I watched Miami Mega Jails. It was yeah. a Louis Theroux two-parter. Yep. It was on telly. Uh, it was really interesting because you know that jail's different from prison? Jail's a holding place. It's not a, you know, you're in jail pending a court appearance. You're blowing my mind here, mate. I, and can't, hand, I can't process this. There's blokes in there who've been in there for three years. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's fucking weird, mate. It's really weird. And it's really interesting to see sort of people in there and the way they kind of, they, they sort of touch, they sort of look at one particular guy who's a kind of a weedy guy who, who's up on murder charges and they're worried about what's going to happen to him in, mm. in the cell. Yeah, the cell's I've full of like six or seven guys. He ends up aligning himself with gangs. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's, kind of, it's, really, it's really, really um, interesting to see the dynamics. Yeah, it's pretty bloody scary too. Oh, yeah. There's all those guys in the background who've got like, their faces covered and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I watched another doco called Tales from of the Grim Sleeper. Now, the Grim Sleeper was a serial killer in L.A., who worked for about 25 years, up until about 2011 he was finally caught. And the interesting part of it was they were actually talking to a lot of the people who lived in the neighbourhood. Uh, it was a predominantly black neighbourhood. And they were really showcasing the fact that the police kind of dropped a ball a little bit on it. Mm. And they were really sort of pointing out the difference between white and black neighbourhoods and the fact that if it was white women getting killed... Would things have been done better? And yeah, it was it was quite an interesting sort of take on your bog standard sort of serial killer story. And yeah, there was some pretty un, untidy, uh, unseemly sort of stuff was getting recounted by people who knew him. Yeah, yeah. So it was it wasn't the best thing to be watching. Is that so another Netflix one? 
No, no, it was on um, ABC. Oh, okay. ABC right. Two was Sunday best. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Better jump on there. Ivy and see. <clears> check that out. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. Yep. Um, I watched uh, Deep Water, which is one about Donald Crowhurst who tries to do the round the world yacht race in '69. Turns out he's he's got no fucking idea what he's doing, <laughs> and things go things really go haywire, and then he he resorts to some pretty silly decisions. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> He basically hides off the coast, and he doesn't go around the world. And what he tries to do is is link up with them as yeah. the others are coming around, because no one's going to look at his logbooks if he comes second or third. Yeah. But the problem is everyone else goes down. <laughs> he could possibly win it, and his logbooks are a shambles. They're a sham. Yeah. And his fucking mental state is not in the right place. Good one, Donald. So yeah, but it was really interesting and it was really really good doco. And it's it's made by the same people who made Touching the Void, so it's it's really well made. And last thing I watched was April Fool's Day. The original? Yeah, the original. Yeah, that is a really really good movie. Good, I like it. I know people that I know it's it's split down the middle because of the ending. You know why it's so good? There's a bit of character development. Yeah, all the characters get a chance to to provide. Something interesting about them, yeah, and it works in its favour once once they finally start getting sort of removed. Yeah, I know people that hate it because of the ending, but I just think, for starters, the ending was 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 perfect. Was it, it's perfect. It, it, it was fits a nice, in with the story. Well, it was a nice little twist. Um, it was a good idea, regardless of whether you liked it or not. I think it was a, was a good idea to throw something different in the mix. Mm. Um, and like you said, prior to that, it's a fairly capable slasher. Yeah, in fact, it's if if, if I'm going to be honest here. It's a it's a far better characterization in terms of its characters than the majority of the Friday the Thirteenth in that period. So if you know you want it, you're looking for a story that a slasher movie that's got a little bit more perhaps meat on its bones with the characters. This is more what you're after. I don't think it's successful as a Friday the Thirteenth in terms of gore and, and those type of things that you're probably looking for in a slasher and I mm. think that's probably why it wasn't a success yeah well that's why something like The Burning is is a higher calibre yeah. regarded as a better you know better slasher because of that sort of stuff yeah so, the characters are a bit better then well the you know the gore yeah. that sort of thing so yeah I can see what you're saying mm. and that was it that was me covered right so let's take a quick As break. As I said, mate, you probably should go to uni or something. You've got a lot of time on your hands for the sounds of things. So. <laughs> I'm actually on leave for quite some time. So. Jesus. Uh, oh, no, sorry. There's one more. There's lock, one yourself, more in lock yourself in your TV room for yeah. six weeks? There's or? one more. I watched a, a, a number of the Goosebumps oh, yeah. episodes. Yeah. Obviously, Netflix is desperate to get people <laughs> to put content on their, <laughs> on their product. So um, they've got all of the episodes. Yeah. And, look, it's pretty cheaply made. It's made in Canada. <laughs> you saying not that there's anything wrong with Canada, but I'm just saying it's obviously made. Yeah, it's a money decision. Yeah, for a money decision, but for the most part, most of them are okay. Mm. They're reasonably well written. Some of the acting's a little bit shonky, but we're talking about kids here. There's obviously a limitation to how the enjoyment we're going to get out of it now because of the the age factor that it's. But if I was a kid in '97 yeah. when it was first brought out, I would have loved it. Well, mate, I was all over those sort of "Are you afraid of the darks?" and and goosebumps and that sort of thing. I used to love, I used to love those uh, those TV shows. So. Yeah, so look, I'd check it out just from a nostalgic point of view. If you remember the books, and yeah. and that was the go. All right, let's take our first break. We'll come back. We'll talk about the Glimmer Man, and I'll start stating my case for Steven Seagal. Maybe not an Oscar, but maybe an Emmy. Oh, <laughs> A SAG award, something. You got, you got your work ahead of you. All right. You, if you are, if you pull this off, you are Johnny Cochran. Right? Stay tuned. Warner Brothers presents Steven Seagal. I have something that'll completely clear up that bruise on your forehead. What bruise? That bruise. Keenan Ivory Wayans. Do you know I'm black? You learn well, grasshopper. Glimmer Man. Before I talk about The Glimmer Man, I did forget one other film that I've watched, so obviously I've had plenty of time on my hands. Do some w- bloody volunteer work, <laughs> I say, you, you prick. <laughs> I, look, my ass will be just indented into the couch, I'd reckon. And after, in, by, by the end of January, when I'm finally back at work, I'll be... 
identity that <laughs> My ass cheeks will be on It'll be Homer Simpson like. I watched The Duff It's a comedy uh, Sort of a high school comedy Really really good I do think that Most people should get out And check it out Because it's a really good Mixture of that Easy A That came out Only a few years ago yeah. And the John Hughes stuff Like The Breakfast Club Pretty in pink And all that Netflix? Not on Netflix <laughs> I'm not going to watch it <laughs> no, no, I will. I'll chase it up. Yeah, chase it up. It's worthwhile hiring on um, or on iTunes. Don't buy it. Is it on the special? Accidentally. <laughs> I'd accidentally buy it for six okay, bucks. But... Right. Okay, The Glimmer Man. Directed by John Gray, who directed episodes of Ghost Whisperer and Grimm. That it? That's about it. Oh, no, he also directed a movie about um, a boy and a orangutan. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, can I suggest... It wasn't a canon film. I was, was going to say, can I suggest you might have seen it? <laughs> I haven't, but... There was a stretch where you seemed to be watching a lot of monkey movies. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, uh, wasn't MVP, Most Valuable Primate. Yeah, Jesus. No, that's right. <laughs> that was, remember... Um, yeah, you had a marathon. Yeah, it was called... Uh, Monkey ape shit, you, yeah, called yeah. It. I, you called it monkey madness, <laughs> I called it ape shit. <laughs> right, it's, it's produced by Steven Seagal and Jules R. Nasso, who produced several of Seagal's early films, like Mark for Death, Out for Justice on Deadly Ground. The Dr- better stuff? <laughs> I said on Deadly Ground. <laughs> Written by Kevin Brodman, who wrote Mindhunters and Constantine. It's Mindhunters. That's a good film. That actually was quite interesting. Yeah. LL Cool J. Yeah. Delivers as an action hero. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I take that back. Uh, You've already got one difficult case here, you know, so just, just leave it at that. Don't take it. You're not taking it on right, any Mindhunters next week <laughs> as I bring in another court case. I'll be up for that. Steven Seagal plays Lieutenant Jack Cole. Keenan Ivory Waynes is Detective Jim Campbell, and he was in Most Wanted and Dance Flick. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Get yourself together. Brian Cox is Mr. Smith. And we know Brian from Troy, Braveheart, and Born Identity. One of the greats. Yeah, I like Brian. I really do. Budget was $45 million and the box office worldwide... Forty-six million. So Steve's in the black. <laughs> so Steve's um, in the black. So public opinion is against you. Public, public opinion is not is in favour of Seagal. Not a performance. Not a performance <laughs> worth looking at. Now, some little bit of trivia. After the film was completed, Warner Brothers conducted additional editing on the film to make it faster and more like a regular Seagal movie. They failed. <laughs> <laughs> Cut scenes included several comedic and dramatic exchanges between Campbell and Cole, and a great deal of Michelle Johnson's scenes as Cole's wife were cut. Okay. Okay. Just a general synopsis. Yep. Cole and Cam- Campbell is a detective in, I can't remember where, I think it's LA or New York or somewhere. He, he gets partnered up with Jack Cole, who's this mysterious sort of character. And they're, in, they're looking at the murders being committed by a guy, the serial killer they're calling the family man. Now, what they start to realise is that the family man didn't commit the last couple of murders and they may be linked to a Russian mafia group that, and also that Cole could potentially be the, the killer due to the fact that he has some connections with one of the victims. Mm. General thoughts. Well, if that's your opening about. statement, you've got some work to do with the jury, but... Don't worry, I've handpicked a very, uh, a very easily malleable jury. <laughs> I got to go. I think I got to peg this at about a one and a half. One and a half. I just think it seems again. It's another one of these ones that seems a bit confused. Is it like the serial killer bit, or is it a cigar flick? Uh, even when it is a cigar flick, the fight scene, the fight scenes just seem like they're sort of shoehorned in. To keep us awake. <laughs> <laughs> they obviously didn't keep you awake. <laughs> it was interesting you mentioned that because I said to you, Keenan Ivory Wayans is a is a poor man's um, Damon Wayans. Wayans in Last Boy Scout, and probably could have done with a little bit of that lightening up because Seagal just he just takes himself so seriously when he's given pl- you know plenty of time to talk to the camera. <laughs> it, seems, <laughs> it seems like he just takes the script and says, "Look, this doesn't work. I'm going to be a mystic." Sort of Buddhist character. I'm going to have climbed Everest. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe. Oh my god. <laughs> All this sort of stuff, and it just falls in a heap. 
a big heap. Steaming a heap. big steaming heap. I'm going to give it two. I'm going to stick somewhere around the same range I had with Silent Rage. Yeah. One and a half is probably half, harsh. And the problems oh, yeah, with this one are the direct opposite of what was wrong with Silent Rage. There's too much Seagal <laughs> as opposed to what was wrong with Silent Rage, which was there wasn't enough Norris and not enough fighting. Like, yeah. they cut him out of that film, whereas Seagal decided to insert himself <laughs> in every scene known to man. Now, I would, would be fair to admit that maybe a little bit better character development may have possibly helped, that some of the stuff that was cut up may cut out may have been useful. Yeah. But I don't you'd have to I'd have to see that material to know if it was any good. Yeah. Because like you said, the film's confused. It's trying to be a hard sort of edge thriller like seven and then shoehorning in these attempted comedic moments and stuff about mafia and stuff yeah. that has no sort of business. Well it seems like maybe they cut those comedic moments to make it that, that hard edge sort of stuff. Where it probably could have done with a bit more of that because even when you're going for the hard edge business, you've then got Seagal, you know, making jokes about, or not making jokes, but saying I can't fight and all this sort of stuff. And next thing you know, kicking the shit out of people, and then he's making, you know, giggling at jokes about deer's dick <laughs> and all this sort of stuff. So we probably could have done with a bit more of that. A few more deer's dick jokes. A few more gags probably... about the deer's dick would have yeah. been good. Look, let's get to the likes first. <laughs> the first time we see Seagal in the police station. Hilarity in shoes. <laughs> I started pissing the pants. Oh, I did start laughing. He, he walks in here. He's got his love beads on, and he's, he's looking a little bit porchy. And he's got a massive M sort of receding hairline. Yeah, can't take points off him for that. Some of the greats have gone with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, there's no pictures out there of you. <laughs> it's a kind of a like because <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh. Yeah, it took and me back to... it's supposed to, to be not an amusing sequence. No, no, it took me back to On Deadly Ground. When I started <laughs> giving it again, because two seconds after we're out of the office, he's wearing a gold jacket. <laughs> so, again, he has taken control of his own wardrobe and told the people that had paid to do that, no, 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 I've got this. <laughs> and you don't got it. Uh, you haven't got it, Stephen, you haven't. I'm not going to lie to you. Look, I, I think you were uh, you were perturbed that he was still he was still trying to keep the ponytail alive in the mid nineties. Why? That wave had crested long ago. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was white water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were up on the beach. You was gone, long gone. Yeah, we're we're packed. The car's packed up. We're driving oh, home. Oh, Stephen's still trying. <laughs> Stephen's still trying to body surf out there. I'm still. I'm in the bloody shitty showers, washing bloody sand out of us. <laughs> By the time that came up, <laughs> I actually think Keenan Ivory Wade does make a reasonably likable presence in this movie. He tries his best, given what he's given, and I think he's trying to keep the tone light. Yeah, as best he can. Based on the fact that Seagal seems to be dominating the screen, yeah, it, 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 Wayne's has given little to do other he than is. just kind of follow him around. It's like uh, it's pretty much like you said. He is a likable presence, but there's just not enough of it. Mm. Um, and maybe that's what was cut out. Yeah, I think it makes sense that that's that's in the trivia section <laughs> because yeah, there must have been. It just seemed like why do you have a Wayne's brother in here because their their hallmark is comedy. And there's nothing there for him. Yeah. There's none of it there for him. There's a, there's a couple of jokes and that's it. Well, look, there were a couple one of, of minor laughs. One of them is painful. One of the, get, the attempted jokes is painful. And I did like the powdered deer penis. Yeah. <laughs> I must admit, I did giggle on both occasions where that was brought up. Yeah. Lowbrow. That low worked. It was lowbrow, but, but it, but it kind of worked. We're the, low hanging, more we're the low-hanging fruit and, and we were picked by that one. Look, I'm going to go just slightly off topic here, likes, dislikes, but you mentioned Last Boy Scout. Okay? Yeah. Okay? Now, the fact that that's got a better director and a far better script <laughs> is not the only reason why it's a better movie than this. Better but actors? You, you look at the the, the the chemistry between Willis and Wayne's in in Last Boy Scout and Seagal and Wayne's in Glimmer Man. It's chalk and cheese. Part of the reason is because Willis is willing to play the scumbag. 
Yeah. Okay, he's down on his luck. He's a scum. He's a scumbag who sleeps in his car, but we like him. That's chemistry, mate. Good chemistry. Yeah. Whereas, Cigar and Keenan Ivory are cooking meth. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even the blue meth. It's a low brow version. It's a low brow. Chili powder, mate. It's the chili powder variety. <laughs> what I'm saying is, those two actors in Boy Scout and the, the, the script in Boy Scout gives Willis a a role that is not necessarily. For the action hero, it's more of the, the fallible sort of character who's hard to like. Yeah. But Seagal is go just... There, mate. He can't go there for whatever reason. I don't know. He's got to be... This is what I said to you when I was watching it. Every Seagal movie, he's just got to be the pinnacle of what... Hu- pinnacle of human achievement. But, but he's, pinnacle just, he's just the, the best of everything. He's just got to be... The pinnacle of human achievement doesn't have a gut. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, everything he does is awe-inspiring. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a peaceful man, but I can kick the shit out of you. I've, cl- I've climbed Everest. I, I still don't know if he actually climbed Everest. <laughs> when he said that, I suspected that he did. In his in his mind, when he was when he was planning for character, and that line came up, he thought to himself, "Fuck it, I thought I climbed Everest." Um, uh, but yeah, he's, there's always he's always the, the top of the top of the pole. You can't get any better. He's the greatest. He's no, he's the greatest why, special operator in fucking military yeah, this history. This is why this you know this is not. Buddy cop, this is not good. Buddy cop, you know. Buddy cop, you got the flaws, mate. You look at Riggs, you look at um, at, at Willis in Last Boy Scout. They're they're assholes, as you put it. <laughs> Riggs has maybe got a bit of a bit more of a reason to be an asshole. Willis is just Bruce Willis. So. Yeah. But the problem was the, 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 the great thing about those movies is you become you be, you end up liking them. There's and, somewhere and, to go. And with buddy cop films, you've got to spread the love. Look, Both of them Se- have got to get the time. When Seagal is the top of the pile, okay, you, you're solving a case or something, but we need to see something from your character if you're on the screen so long. And there's just nothing. There's nowhere to go. You're just the best of the best at everything. You cannot improve. No. <laughs> you're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a Zen Buddhist. You've got a little bit of um, Indian, an- Native American ancestry, and you're going to save save all of Native America. Like, And he keeps saying, what I found interesting was... It keeps saying um, we need to not shoot people and we don't need to fight and everything, but yet just totally abandons that and shoots people and kicks a bejesus out of everyone. Why did you join the police? And I'm going to ask this question. The guy was a special forces operative known for hiding in the shadows and killing people. I don't think the police are doing background checks. The guy had a false name. His name wasn't Jack Cole. Well, if they were sneaking up, if if, if they only saw a glimmer before they were killed... It was usually the gold lease on the Yeah, yeah, it was a glimmering of the gold jacket, but obviously the scopes weren't pointed at sort of mid-second level. (laughs) Yeah, they were obviously up Because you would have got a couple of seconds notice. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right, Stephen. I've got to cut to Just to cut... Just to give him a little bit of credit, at times on screen he can still kick some ass. He can yeah. still deliver on the ass kicking. Yeah. This is probably the last time his films where he wasn't being doubled by blokes half his size. Mm. But he can still, you know, tell a few dates and he knows what he's doing. That's n- yeah, that's not in question. He's he's an ass kicker yeah. on screen. It would be nice to see him sort of. A bit more agility. Yeah, he's but not agile. The other thing is, too, why can't he get punched? Why can't there be a jolt to the ponytail every day? Because <laughs> he just never gets, he's never, like you said, he's never in trouble. And that's the, that's again the big problem. Yeah, Pulse it, is never racing because we know he's never in the poop, mate. <laughs> it's true. I've never watched a cigar film and thought, geez, he's in, he's in some shit here. Oh, look, at least I just I think under look, siege is the he only time they got that. He hasn't, even, right. he hasn't even been tagged once yet. We know he's not going to get... Yeah. He's not in trouble. And even in Under Siege. Yeah. He just dismantles Tommy Lee Jones in the last fight. I don't know whether it's an image thing or... I think it's an ego thing. Yeah, I don't know. It's image or ego or something like that, but it just it really takes away. Yeah, he, he can't seem to... You look at Die Hard, your pulse is racing the entire time because Willis looks like he might not be able to... Get through some of these blokes. Yeah, and that's you know? that's the mark of a, gr- a that's really where the good excitement film. comes from. Yeah, it's a goal. It's like, geez, that's impressive. But you know, it's impressive the first time you see it, and then subsequent times you start it gets less impressive mm. because we just saw him do the well, same especially, thing. Especially, especially when he goes, oh, I can't fight, and you know, 
two minutes later, you're going to be kicking the shit out of everybody and you're not even going to get a hand laid on you. Yeah. You know? We know you can fight. We've seen your movies. Yes. It's, it's, not, it's not kind of... Is it ironic? Are you trying to be ironic? Is it an in-joke? It's not. Mm. It's not... I sound like I really hate Seagal. <laughs> I don't. No, I don't hate the guy. I don't mind watching his movies. I've sat through some of his movies and enjoyed them. Yeah, yeah, same. But I just, it, it takes away a little bit. Yeah. Because it would, uh, you know, he is he is up there in the, in the martial arts stakes on, on film. You can see that he's he's got it. Yeah. But it would just be nice if it was a little more... Even-handed. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We need uh, to see a bit of back and forth between the good and evil here. Including Seagal, the actors are all fine. <laughs> Um, There's a number of okay. solid character actors. Okay, um, the likes of Brian Cox and and Bob Gunton and like those sorts of people. They're those all, facts are not in dispute here. Those guys are all solid. They do their job. Objection. Do you would you like <laughs> me to lay out my case? Yes, I would. Okay, Stand because like, as I've said, that's not in dispute. Let me throw out the nuances. I think he smiled three times. I think there was a laugh. I'll give you twice. Two. I'll give you two smiles. Two laughs. Two smiles. Um, he got angry. <laughs> on several occasions To me Was that him or me? That's <laughs> That's the spectrum of emotion Required of any sort of Actor As I said to you When we were watching it Mate He's He's Zen Buddhist He is Calm He's totally calm He cannot be jolted From this State of calmness That he is in But Stephen When we're watching a movie We need some emotion Mate We but, need but something it's there it's not it's there. there for it this is movie. not there. When he sits down with Brian Cox at the the restaurant, I feel his game goes up a notch. <laughs> when he sees, are you an sure that wasn't Brian Cox? <laughs> you have something stuck in when your eye. When he notices that he's on screen with an actor of some note, he lifts his game. And to <laughs> me, he lifts his game in that scene. How? How does he lift it? Well, we what does ca- he show? Did What's you notice? Range? Did you notice the improv? He I takes the plate, brings it over. That's what they teach in improv. Oh, I was going to say, I didn't notice the improv. I didn't notice him punch Brian in the face. <laughs> Work with me, Stephen. What do you got? <laughs> oh. yeah, okay. yeah, Brian, what I think I might do is I might hit you. Okay. I might fiddle with my beads. Yeah. What do you reckon? <laughs> okay. No, no, yep. Brian says to him, Stephen, why don't you just pick up one of the plates here? There's plenty of food. And you're sort of like, you, you know, your character's sort of like saying, I, I do whatever I like. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good. I'll, I'll yeah, do that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Case closed. still not slaves. You got some work to do. Counselor? Case closed. <laughs> Look, can I rest my case? The evidence is not circumstantial. You've got some work to do here. That's not going to cut it. purely evidence, mate. That is not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. Not going to cut it. All right. The jury's out on this. Well. I've... What do you got? <laughs> Dig into your bag of tricks. I haven't. I'll, I'll look, let me think about it. Well, we, we exhibit B. Exhibit B. A has been ruled. <laughs> Inadmissible. Inadmissible. <laughs> okay, most of the action scenes are actually reasonably well shot. Yeah, they're not bad. They're um, not bad. And including the restaurant fight and the, the final shootout. Yeah. That, that actually, those both work all right. That's it's, one thing I'll give Seagal. Like I said, with Norris, we don't want to see guns. <laughs> Seagal's not bad at that. He throws a bit of the sort of gunplay in with the punching heads and things like that. So yeah. in terms of an action scene, you can work a l- It's not just a stand-up fight. You can work a little bit more there because he knows... Like, he does actually look like he knows how to handle a gun, mm. that sort of business. It's not... Uh, it's not. Um, it doesn't look like, again, it's, you're just throwing a bloke out there and, and trying to tell him, be an action hero. Yeah. He has... A lot of the traits that are required for these sorts of movies in his own personal life, I think. So, exactly. Yeah, he loves Asian culture. He loves Asian culture. We know that much. When we talk about character development, we mentioned earlier on that Stephen Seagal's climbed Mount Everest, <laughs> but he's also in charge of his emotions. There's a sequence where he does a lie detector test. Yes. And they say, "Okay, we're going to do ask you two questions." To get a baseline reading, so they know where the, you know the, um, the needle is. You know, yeah. you think that, that you've got a yes and a no, like a yep. true and a, a false answer. So they go, "Is your name Jack Cole?" Yes. Have you climbed Mount Everest? Yes. And then she, the girl, looks at the machine and then looks at the captain, like basically insinuating, has he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jared seems to think that would have been part of the character development process. Yeah, I'm I'm 100 uh, certain that Stephen would have suggested. Yeah, look, 
I would have climbed Mount Everest. The other questions, yeah, they, they're the ones that show that I'm in control of my emotions and can pass a lie detector test, but the Everest one, that's true. That's what I'm suggesting. I think it was more that he knew how to... He was so Zen Buddhist oh, that he course. could just sort of work through it. Of course. But that's no surprise. After he leaves, in a huff, <laughs> he rips his stuff off and throws oh, it down. He's absolutely steaming. Tells the captain to get fucked. You can see it on his face. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, he did a beat. <laughs> <laughs> the anger in his eyes. It's etched in, well, should I say carved into his wooden face. <laughs> <laughs> she then says The woman running the lie detector says I've never seen anything like it Everything rings true mm. Can you part and, and the captain says Can you actually um, work out how to get through one of these You know and get past it mm. She says oh yeah it's doable But you'd have to be really in charge of your emotions oh, And if you've been Exhibit A Stephen Seagal Is yeah, in look, charge of his emotions He climbed Mount Everest <clears throat> Without so, oxygen mind you He climbed Mount Everest to get to like the Buddhist camp at the top and spent, you know, five years he fly kicked a few getting things. in charge of his emotions. Yeah, well, he fly kicked a couple when he first arrived, but they can't be <laughs> there. He's in charge of his emotions. Okay. Let's get to the dislikes here. I thought we were on there. We, we, we've been sort of back and forth, but... Okay, so your case takes a nosedive here. <clears throat> Seagal's wardrobe. That's a like. No, it's not. It's, it's a dislike. It's an absolute like. For the overall wardrobe. Like. There was one jacket... That honestly, he looked like the cross cross between a hippie and Siegfried and Roy. <laughs> he was wearing one jacket that honestly, we've got a rug at home. It had the same pattern. <laughs> and just to add insult to injury, our dog uh, shat on that rug. So <laughs> I don't know what it's saying about the pattern. Who's um? So who does that speak more to, the rug or Cigar's jacket? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that rug's you, gone. Maybe yeah. you both need some styling advice. Maybe, yeah. maybe. <laughs> well, it's a rug for the floor. You don't wear it. <laughs> Jesus. That's true. That's true. Now, there's a sequence involving an autopsy. Yeah. There's a woman on the slab yeah. with, quite frankly, the most overinflated pair of boobs known to man. <laughs> She's dead, and she's and he says, he says something about I don't think she's a prostitute or something like that because they're saying that they, she might be, and then he says I don't even think she's American. I think she's Russian. Yeah. yeah. Explanation? Okay. Yeah, yeah. None. No. No explanation. No explanation. And the coroner's standing right next to Keenan Ivory Wayne's, and the girl scoops up a bloody a, scalpel. A scalpel, cuts the bottom of one of her boobs and removes the implant, and that's how they work out who she is. Right. Um, <clears throat> tampering with evidence. Yeah, yeah that's mind. tampering with evidence, pal. <laughs> Put the scalpel down. There's only one bloke in here with a tag on it that says coroner, okay? But no, <laughs> no. The would have would have probably been well trained. As I said to you, mate, he's the, he's the pinnacle. The coroner that spent numerous, you know, hours and days, weeks, months, years at medical, you know, examinations and, and studied. Oh, no, no, but I'm Steven Seagal. I can do this shit. Come on. <laughs> that is what is... Pro- that's the, what's the problem with the movie. Why was it necessary for him to do that part? Because it displays that he fucking knows more than everybody else. <laughs> just just get off it, Steven. <laughs> Allow yourself to have some flaws. <clears throat> the story should be pretty simple. Hmm. Like, it actually should be pretty simple. We're talking about action films here. The problem is, and you brought it up in your initial sort of general thoughts is you've got this moulding, this really bad mixture of action thriller and crime procedural sort of film. And then there's this gore stuff where people are being crucified. Yeah, yeah. You you picked it with like a little little bit of sort of Seven style thing, but then you you chuck a Russian mob in there and it's sort of... But then you also throw the CIA in. Yeah, where are you heading here, you know? Like... Well, I said this to you last night. In Seven, there was one killer. Yeah. There was one killer, and they were uh, they were looking up for him, and they were using their their investigative powers to try and yeah. find him. It's like they tried to go that sort of path. But you can't go there with Seagal because you, you need goons. Well, you went halfway. Yeah, exactly. You need goons to do that. You went halfway, you know, and it just got – you got stuck in the middle, basically. <laughs> well, you know, am I wrong? <laughs> 
I don't know where you got stuck, but... You got stuck somewhere in the middle because you've got that angle, but then you're still dealing with a Russian mob and a... And a CIA, and a CIA handler CIA. and all this yeah. sort of crap about Segal being this ex-military fixer that sort of is was so awesome he, you wouldn't be able to see him in the jungle. <laughs> you know, it was just... It, it is too many strands going on yeah. and it just turns into this big mess of sort of nothingness it doesn't mm. really resolve any of it yeah and then down this down the stretch they start going trying to tie up loose ends you know oh the boy knows about it and so does the two coppers so we need to kill them off and all this sort of stuff it starts yeah. doing all that yeah and it, it blows all that really badly yep we, we talked about this before as coal being indestructible yeah but look, I just I, I just can't understand why. It seems like in all these movies, after after Seagal got a bit of bit of heat, he he just had to be given a platform to espouse all his own beliefs and stuff about. I mean that Buddhism stuff and that sort of thing. That's coming from him. I'm sure of it because you know that that's his sort of angle. Okay, and it's sort of repeated in in a few movies. Yeah. Why can't he be the cop who's just really, really fucking good at his job? But you know, uh, like like Willis, so occasionally you see him in a scene with a fucking beer bottle in his hand or something. Yeah. Why do we have to have? It it just cheapens everything. That he's just like I, I keep saying yeah. it, but he's the, he's the peak. Do you, you notice no too to that he doesn't have any stakes raised? No, there's never, there's any never a stake. Like, and that was the the stakes that they tried to give him. Was here, he dead ex? Was an ex-wife, and it's just like, it just went. It, it gave him nothing. But it, but we didn't even know the ex-wife. The ex-wife no, exactly. was a was a throwaway kill in the opening sequences. Yeah. So we don't actually know her. We yep. don't know what type of relationship they had. Yeah. We don't know anything about them. Now, a decent action film would possibly have turned him into sort of the villain. In that relationship, yeah, that he was the one who created the issues, and he was still sort of creating issues about custody of the children or whatever. And that's you know that's not even mentioned here. Yeah, it's only used as a plot device to make him a possible suspect. I just wish someone would say, Stephen, this is acting, okay? Just because we show you on screen without your beads or without your Buddhist beliefs, it's acting. Okay, so let us let us do that, and just you do what we tell you, yeah. basically. But it seems like you hit a point where he was calling all the shots, as happens when you get a bit of, and it just it ruins movies. It honestly <laughs> does. It ruins movies. All I want to see in this sort of cigar film and on Deadly Ground, I just want to see him get into a fight yeah. because I just can't. I, I'm sick. I get sick of listening to him. Quite honestly, because I feel like I'm being lectured. He <laughs> lectured about it's the Native Americans and the, yeah, the, the, yes. the Buddhism, and, and and it seemed that over that period his allegiances were changing, <laughs> like his jackets. <laughs> he's got his feet in a lot of camps. Uh, he's, he's a big fan of all the stuff. And don't get me wrong, the guy's allowed to have his own. He is. I got no problem with his beliefs, and I think, as I said, I think the on deadly ground stuff is quite noble. Yeah. It's just poorly handled in the movie, <laughs> but. I just feel like it's an action movie, you know? If he wants to be one of these Buddhists, if he wants to be, the, the, you know, the Zen Buddhist type, make the Asian martial arts style movies. Get in a couple of them and do it do it there. But it just seems so out of place in every... Every time you are a cop in LA or New York or something, you got your beads and you... you that's why Under Siege is probably his, the top of his work because he there was none of that. Yeah, yeah. Basically. He was just a cook... Yeah, but remember, he was still a physical piece of specimen. He was still a physical because he was the king shit of special forces. That he is just true. As a cook. That is true, but it was like he had, you know, the working on the cook angle was like he'd fucking just fallen on, not fallen on hard times, but he, he was pissed just, a few people. He just off, he just done a bit of the the, the Rambo. Mm. He just sort of crawled into his hole, kind of. There was a little bit of that. Yeah. The direction, other than the action scenes, is pretty flat. It's not really anything to write home about. They don't really try anything different other than, you know, static stuff. It's all yeah. fairly generic. Yep. The other problem 
that possibly works against my case for my client. <laughs> but but um, we've decided that I'm a court appointed attorney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lionel Hutz. Oh, oh. I, I, I'm not sort of one of these big attorneys who's looking, you know, chasing ambulances and yeah. trying to, you know. You're the one that's closing your shades and cracking a bottle of Jim Beam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm on the clock here. He talks in such a low register all the time. He talks into his chest and it's supposed to be tough and intimidating, but it, I can't hear him <laughs> sometimes and I can't. That's not acting. That's just no. mumbling into your... Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> he's getting fitted for his orange jumpsuit as we speak. <laughs> he has fired me as his counsel as we speak. You're right though, because there's no, there's nothing, there's no, there's no range, mate. It's, it's, the, there's a lane. You're here at about mid range. There's a lane. And it's just a, keeps it's going one way. And then he occasionally he'll, he'll yell, so we'll go slightly up. Yeah, but the yelling again. is even just kind of. You know, just uh, just add a bit of volume <laughs> to it. <laughs> oh, I swear to God, I was here. <laughs> no, you're right. There's just there's not there's not a lot of uh, not he a lot just of sort of talks there. into his chest, and it just doesn't it doesn't <laughs> work. It's not acting. It's no, just it's, mu- it's just kind of talking about how tough he is and this type of stuff. It's like, well, what's that doing? That's not doing anything. That bit where he talks to the head of security. Can I just repeat to the jury that this man's court-appointed defender has used the lines, that's not acting. (laughs) 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 Yes, yes, I've been fired from my post. Post in defending the guy. He went with the, he decided to defend himself. <laughs> yeah. He lost on appeal. <laughs> um, but he's a better actor than Norris. If we're going to get down to it, he's a better actor than Norris. Uh, oh, yeah, look. I'll give him the points. It's a points decision. Points decision. So we're, we're, we're the distance. But yes. But in saying that also... Norris doesn't talk Norris, as much. He Norris knows. doesn't talk as much. Norris doesn't... You know, I'm not watching a Norris movie and getting 10 minutes of him talking about the total gym or something like that <laughs> that he really believes in, you know? So there's that. That's what Seagal needs to get back to. And he got so far into it that it's just... That's where he is now. Back. Yeah, he's, he's, he's director video. And please correct me if I'm wrong, um, people out there, but his current crop is just all the same stuff and they're being shot all over the world and, you know, they're... He's working with he's working with some of the Asian martial arts people and yeah. all this sort of stuff. Well, I think that in a, in a way, I think that's what he should be doing because yeah. that's it's clear, you know, there's his beliefs and stuff are. Of course, there was true justice. Okay, I think we've we've been through the the glimmer man well enough, haven't we? You've packed up your briefcase. Yeah, then? I packed my briefcase full of crackers and gone. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a couple of the free tea bags and a pack of sugar from the courthouse. And (laughs) And decamped. Obviously, um, Chuck Norris has rang me recently to provide some kind of legal advice (laughs) on his case coming forward. Okay. I'll be looking forward to that case. Perhaps I can stay involved for the entire time. Mm. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll bring up what we're going to cover next episode. Obviously, based on my um, legal skills, they've been put to the test under the cigar, and, and I failed dismally. But if it's I've been still, found you have no skills? No, but I've still got pending cases for Norris, Lundgren, and Keanu Reeves. Do I have Up to my hear sleeve. those cases? Yeah, you have to hear those cases, so oh, perhaps right. I'll improve. I've heard Lundgren himself. I've heard he's pleaded his own case. Uh, I, look, I'm, I'm open to hearing from him. 
No, no. Maybe yeah. not from you. He needs to work with a legitimate lawyer. Okay. Fuck. Right. Court appointed. Okay. Okay. Right. So gonna, you're gonna be if it has to happen that way. Yeah. Next episode, and can to sort of coincide with um, the very sad death of Gunnar Hansen, who played the original Leatherface. Uh, I believe he died of cancer or pancreatic cancer or something like that just recently. We're going to actually go back to 1974 for the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. This is going to be an interesting one because I have not seen this movie since I was 15 years old. Yep. Contentious because neither of us really liked it. I was not a fan. But... Um, We'll give it another. But another it's the view. kind of thing that yeah, you know, we're twenty five years later, and we can have a have a look at it on Blu-ray. For starters, have been cleaned up a fair bit. You might uh, notice a few things that you, know, you didn't notice last time. That's Who knows? That tends to happen when you see it on Blu-ray. Maybe this movie will <laughs> turn oh, into a face gem. Is actually bloody a mask. Yeah, yeah shit. Oh. <laughs> He's actually using a chainsaw. What's going on? But that's going to be an interesting discussion. I think. Yeah, it'll be good. Thank you for everyone uh, to downloading our episodes. We really appreciate it. Get in touch with us if you um, want to throw anything at us, questions, anything at all, your thoughts on some of the movies you've covered. Or if you want to engage Adam's legal, legal advice. <laughs> voice. I, don't, um, I don't sort of expect a lot of <laughs> like contact on that front. But if you do want my legal advice for some reason... Get in contact with us. You can get in contact through our Facebook page, which is Thrill Me Podcast Australia, or our email address at thrillme at iinet.net.au. Until next episode, take it easy, and we'll catch up with everyone later. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia, or contact us at thrillme, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au